Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Good morning, City Collective Church. Uh, I hope that you're doing well right now. Uh, Thank you, Dan and Anthony and Benji, for getting us going for some time to worship, time to gather. These are important moments that we get to share. Uh, make sure that you're commenting down in the comments where you're coming from, what, what's your beverage of choice this morning. Like Benji said, I don't know what a Dutch pancake is in particular. Um, I didn't realize there was different types of pancakes for every country. A Canadian pancake is all I have really <laughs> experienced, but this is a wonderful time that we get together. I hope um, that you can recognize how we're even approaching church this morning, uh, that we're not actually in an empty room Uh, just speaking out to a camera, but we're in our own spaces, discovering life in Jesus in a unique way, wherever we are. So just like you're at home, um, paying attention to government government advisories and doing your part in the crisis that we're in, uh, we think that this is actually a way that we can express ourselves as a church, whether it is Anthony in Kelowna, Benji in Yakima, Dan and myself out here in Langley, and then wherever you are, right now just know that the presence of god and the goodness of god is just as available in the space that you call home as it is that when we gather together on a sunday morning this is the beauty of a church that the church is not four walls the church is not a building but the church is a people Uh, i've been so proud and just appreciative of our city collective community in this last week as we've had to make some rapid decisions and uh, react to the reality that we kind of face ourselves with um, that I've received messages and texts and, and emails from people looking for opportunities to help and to respond in a really positive way as a church, as well as encouragements and people who need prayer along the way. Know that as a church community, you are not alone, uh, that this is an opportunity for us to lean in even more to what it means to be the church. And so make sure that you are not isolating yourself. Send us an email, send us a message. Let us know what we can be praying about. Let us know if you want someone to chat with. Our prayer team is looking for opportunities to stand with you. And so this is a great uh, medium that we can engage with on a Sunday morning, but we can also be connected all throughout the week. Um, Today, we are continuing with a series that we're calling Final Words. And As I was preparing, I was thinking about, is there a need for us to maybe switch the series and discuss something different? Um, Jump into a different conversation, a different topic, a different idea. But but this is the conclusion that I kind of came to as I was thinking this through, um, that in this time of uncertainty and unrest, there is no more importance of a message than the words that Jesus communicates in his moment of unrest, of chaos and uncertainty. Uh, In this moment where we find Jesus making his way to the cross, the words that Jesus communicates are the words that we can live by, the words that we can hold on to, and the words that we can find hope in. This is what we believe, that when we encounter Jesus, it changes everything. And here in this moment of history, in this moment of humanity, where Jesus has been unfairly, unjustly criminalized and subjugated to atrocious beatings, defamations, physical mutilations, the words which are spoken are guideposts. For our lives and invitation to discover life in a way that our experiences would deem impossible. So wherever you are, I would encourage you, would you lean in with me this morning? Would you place your your hope in Jesus if if that is a place that you find your your trust and and your truth? 
and just open yourself to the possibility that wherever you find yourself this morning, in your home, in your bedroom, in your living room, uh, in your kitchen, wherever you find yourself, that you can experience the presence of God and the peace and the love and the joy and the hope that comes with it. All right, let's jump into our scripture. We're going to go into John chapter 16, starting in verse 25 and going through verse 27. I'm reading out of the NLT this morning. Uh, You can follow along with me. John 16, verses 25 to 27. And it says this. It says, Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, John, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning, for every person that is able to join us online right now, for uh, the opportunity to use a medium like Facebook and an online platform to just stay connected as a church. We give you thanks for that. Uh, In this time of crisis that we find ourselves in on a global scale, uh, we are just grateful that your peace that passes all understanding is the hope that we can place our trust in that we can come to you wherever we are at and we can give all that we are. So I pray that we have open hearts, open minds, open eyes and open ears to discover your presence within our homes this morning, that the mission of our church to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus, we're creating space this morning, wherever we are, and I pray that you would just meet us right there. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, So the question I want to ask you this morning is, do you see things that others perhaps don't see? Like when you walk into a room, uh, do you notice things along the way that perhaps someone like myself might not notice? Uh, Growing up, I was not particularly proficient or consistent in, in making my bed. And so my mom would walk into my room and she would notice every single time that I have not made my bed. Now being who I am, uh, my mom would consistently communicate it and I eventually decided that I was going to develop a specific argument so that I could get out of making my bed. I communicated this, this well-crafted, specifically thought through argument, but my mom consistent, uh, consistently communicated that, yes, Jason, you still need to make your bed. But it just wasn't something that I saw. And to be honest, this is something that's kind of continued even in uh, in the first few months of, of our marriage, uh, that Adriana can walk into our home and she'll notice everything that's off in the room. I've even decided that a couple times early on when we started to date, that anytime I would come over, I would shift a little something in the room. I would switch the order of wine bottles on the shelf. I would move candles side to side just to see if Adriana would notice she's got like this superpower where she notices every little detail in the house now even as we started to share the space together when I walk in I don't notice all these details but Adriana will she notices things that I won't when we walk into a space and this is just the reality of it I'm learning I'm trying to get better but I think it'll always be the case that Adriana can see things that I can't now this is a silly uh, example, and but it's it's the truth that for all of us that we all have spaces where we're more aware of things than others, and and I would contend this, that in moments of crisis, I would say that we all feel like we see things that others don't, and that the thing that we all see is our needs, 
In situation, situations where chaos reigns, where discomfort is assured and pain is the reality or struggle is the reality, our needs become most clear to us. Now, nothing's wrong with this, but this is what makes Jesus so dramatically different in this moment. That Jesus is at the, like we talked about last week, at the end of himself. And yet, on the cross, Jesus recognizes the needs of people in front of him and responds in a way that you and I and society as a whole might deem impossible. So how can Jesus, in this moment of his greatest pain, recognize and respond to a need that is not his own? Now let me set this up for you. Before even when before Jesus even went to the cross, he was exhausted and fatigued from blood loss throughout the last 24 hours. When they arrested Jesus, they took him through sham trials, every one of them illegal because they did them all at night just to rush him through. So he hadn't slept at all. And then after they arrested him and tortured him, they mocked him and spat on him. The Bible says they even pulled out his beard just to be cruel. And the Bible says they scourged him using a cat of nine tails, meaning that every time he was whipped, it left nine wounds and he got 39 stripes, which means he had about 350 scars on his back before he was even going to the cross. And his back is one bloody pulp. Jesus is stumbling up his hill this hill disciples have abandoned him except for one and the cross is right in front of him nails hands and feet those those people that had been with him all along have all deserted him and there there were just four to six of his friends and relatives there we don't know for sure because of so many of them were named mary but jesus looks down at his grieving mother and quietly says the third phrase that we're spending time in this morning Dear woman, here is your son, motioning to John. And then to John, here is your mother. And then from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Now we know that Mary at this time was a widow. Joseph had died a long time earlier. And tradition tells us that after Jesus died on the cross, she lived about 12 more years. And during this time, John took care of her because of this statement. Now, this might seem like an unimportant phrase from the cross. Seems like there's other more significant things taking place. But in his final breath, Jesus gives pause to say something out of the very depths of who he is. And if we can see anything right away, we can see God's compassion and sensitivity to our needs when we are in pain. His tender tenderness, his attention, his concern. And if you just need an encouragement this morning, know that in the midst of your isolation, perhaps you are overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. You're, this uncertainty is just driving you a little bit crazy. Let me assure you that God's heart towards you is one of compassion and one of sensitivity, one of, one of care and concern, that God cares about these moments that we are experiencing here and now. But I think this phrase can also teach us some things. And what can we learn from this phrase? Well, what it means to love like Jesus and what Jesus does when you and I are in pain. And if there's something that we see right away is that the words of Jesus illustrate that words without action is not love. Love is not you saying something and just 
letting it sit at that. It's something you do. And in the middle of all of the pain that Jesus is experiencing, he notices his mother. He provides a practical, practical need and he gives her emotional support. Because let's be honest, even if we were to say do the first one of those things to care for our family, you and I are often finding ourselves falling short in loving people in this way. And the reality is and the truth is this morning that you and I can't love like Jesus without Jesus. You can only do it by God's power. In first, uh, 2 Timothy ch chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. To love like Jesus, I think that we're shown three things even within this story. Number one, I think it's really simple, that we need to care for our family. Now, whatever your family looks like, whether it's people that you're spending time with on a consistent basis, maybe it's blood relatives, maybe it's someone who's raised you, we have people in our lives that we would consider family. And Jesus shows in this moment to love like him is actually to make sure that we prioritize and care for the people that we call family in our own stories, showing love through attention through application, through emotion. And sometimes it's not just being present in a space. Uh, recently, our, our nieces and nephews were away for a bit, and when they came back, we got to see them. And they have a, a little boy. I think he's just about to turn one. We got to see him, and I've got a special connection with Wells. Wells is his name. And he's walking around now. He's, he's running around. He comes over, and he, he wants my attention. And so we, we start hanging out and enjoying time together, and I, I'm, I'm picking him up. And this is what would happen every single time. If, even if I'm holding Wells, if I'm not giving him attention, if I'm having a conversation with something, someone else, if I'm on my phone, if I am disengaged from him in that moment, he's trying to grab my attention. He's pulling at my beard. He's trying to lean over to look at me in the face. He's, he's trying to like wriggle right in front of me. He's trying to get my attention. And this is actually how I think he is experiencing love. Love for him is not simply just being close to me in that moment. Love for him is actually feeling like he is seen and he's noticed. For you to simply be at home and forced into social isolation, for you to simply be at home with your family and on Netflix all the time, on your phone all the time, disengaged from the current people that you are with is not actually showing them the love that you have the opportunity to show. You need to be present. We have an opportunity to actually show attention to our family and to our friends that we're with, to not simply isolate and to self-quarantine so that we are separate from the rest of the world, but we do it out of opportunity to love in a practical way and to love in an intentional way. How can your attention that you give actually lead you to show the love for your family that we can and we are called to show? This is one way in which Jesus shows us that we can love like him. And that actually attention gives us an opportunity to recognize practical needs, recognize emotional needs. This is a priority for us as a church is awareness, is that we, we read the room. We want to be aware of what's going on around us. And that's a priority for us as a church. But I would challenge you. I would, I would encourage you. What would it happen if you made that a priority for yourself at home? Because like we said at the beginning, it's really easy to recognize our own needs, but are you recognizing the needs of the people who are around you as well beyond simply just do we have toilet paper in our home? There's so much more that we can recognize as individuals that can actually produce life in our, in our homes, in our communities, in our cities. 
that you can take on on a day-to-day basis. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. One of the things that can really prevent us from loving like Jesus in a season like this is because fear becomes the priority in how we are operating on a day-to-day basis. And this is what Jesus shows us. This is the second thing he shows us. He show, he's teaching us to see others' pain even when he's in pain. And we need to learn how to see others' pain even when I'm in pain. There, there's this thing that goes around every once in a while that we like to characterize as a, as a man cold. Uh, it's more dramatic than perhaps you think it is. Uh, and it's more traumatic, traumatic than I think it is when I have it. But in those moments when I have a man cold, let's be honest, I want attention. I want my needs met. I want you to recognize that I'm not feeling good. I might might talk about it. I might create situations around it. And I want to be taken care of over and over and over again. I, I want to be recognized in that moment. And often my needs come to the very forefront and I don't actually give space for the needs of people around me because who's number one in the situation? Well, the guy with the man cold. And often if we don't have an understanding that we have an opportunity to see others pain, even when our own, we miss out on the opportunity to love like Jesus. Jesus is showing us a way to find love in the midst of our busyness and the midst of our hurry before this moment. But now I think he's still showing us the way to find love in the midst of our confusion, of our struggle and our pain, to find love in the midst of fear. Jesus is showing us an attitude we need to take on as people who make the decision to follow him. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus never stops being the way. And every week, I want us to be reminded that where you are might not be where you want to be. Where you are might not look exactly right. That this time of isolation may have done nothing more than actually expose all of the issues that you have been burying under a rhythm of busyness. But this moment, who you are right now, is perfectly placed by a compassionate God to receive unconditional love and discover how that love can transform the way that we live our lives. There's there's a Langley train crossing not too far from our home. And uh, I hate every time I get stuck at that train crossing. Why is there a train crossing that goes through the middle of the city? I still have this question, but I digress. There's this train crossing that goes through the middle of Langley. And in many ways, I feel like us as a church in this last season, we've seen God do some really incredible things in our community. And we've seen where God is leading us. We've talked about our vision of boldness and blessing of where we believe that God is pushing us forward in this next season. And out of nowhere, this train has come down the tracks. We don't know how long it is. We don't know exactly what it looks like. We don't know exactly how to deal with it, but we are trying to sometimes find our way around it. But at every junction we come to, there seems to be this block. And instead of being frustrated and being overwhelmed by the moment, I think that we are still invited to discover the way of Jesus that we were shown from the very beginning. Sometimes following the way of Jesus isn't simply moving forward, it's looking around. 
in our environment, in the here and now? Do you, do you recognize what's in the car around you? Do you see who's in the seat beside you? Are you actually paying attention to other people's frustrations and pain and struggle in the midst of our own? Because Jesus shows us that when we have his love at the center of our lives, when we actually make that the core of our being, we can be more than simply self-centered and focused on our own struggle. We can actually discover how that shifts and transforms our own response. When Jesus says, I am the way in John 14, 6, he's stating what he is about to show us, that the way of Jesus is the way in which we can find hope in the midst of pain, to find hope in the midst of isolation, to find hope in our struggle. And when we learn to read the story of Jesus and see it as the story of the love of God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, that insight produces again and again a sense of hope that is at the heart of of an authentic experience of a follower of Jesus. The ultimate reason for hope is not to be found at all in what we want, wish for, and wait for. The ultimate reason is that we are wanted for and wished for and waited for. God is our last hope because we are God's first love. Those are words from Jürgen Moltmann. The third thing I believe Jesus is teaching us, how we can love like him, is I must meet others' needs even if mine aren't being met perfectly. Over and over again, we come to this place where we are seeking a sense of perfection in having everything be set in our lives before we actually respond to the needs of those around us. I love the fact that right now, perhaps more than ever, language and narratives from our, from our government officials, language and narratives from businesses and, and from local organizations have started to communicate how much it is important to care for our neighbor, to look towards the people around us who are vulnerable and who are hurting in this season. But this has always been the narrative of Jesus, that this has always been the way of Jesus. Romans 15 verses 2 and 3 in the message says, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? But perhaps the greatest inhibitor to us actually experiencing what this can look like in our own lives is because we find our selfishness, we find security in our selfishness. That there's a sense of control in the things that I can simply do for my, ourself. And hear this from you. My selfishness becomes my security when all I see is my own pain. And now I say this with love. If you are staying home purely because you want to stay safe, then you will eventually make the decision to leave your house out of your own wants. If our actions are driven by selfish intentions, even good actions will eventually be sabotaged. Because our security cannot be found in our selfishness or our self-interest. Our security needs to be found in this place of love that we've discovered through God and from there we can give to others. Sometimes simply making the right decision is not the call of love. Sometimes we need to recognize that the call of love is to receive that which has been freely given so that we can give freely that which we have received. 
when we make that our core and when we make that our foundation, showing love, having awareness, being generous is not actually going to cause you to, to think about it all the time. It's going to just become a natural reflex from the life that you choose to live. If you are frustrated by people in your, in your story, in, in your Facebook, in your social media, and you see them and you're wondering why aren't you responding with the care that is required right now in our current circumstances, I would say that the thing that they need to discover is not simply the right course of action that they need to take, but it's this understanding of what does it actually mean to have love be at the core of my life. This is not about doing the right thing simply. The right thing can always be sabotaged by selfish intentions. But if the right thing is born out of a loving heart, we can find steadiness, stability, consistency, and truth that we can then share over and over again in our own lives. Love does something really beautiful. I think that often our selfishness that we can experience has to do with our desire to continue to experience the life that we desire to experience. That we've seen it done a certain way for so long that we don't know what to do when the routines and practices that we've had are suddenly ripped away from us. There's this beautiful quote from David Benner and it says this. It says, love reconnects us to life. And the truth of Christ's life is that life is love and love is life. There is no genuine life without love. Self-interest suffocates life. Life implodes when self-interest is at the core. This is why the kingdom of self is based on death and ultimately taking care of number of one, of number one takes care of no one. For the only way to truly care for myself is to give myself in love to others and there I will find my truest and deepest fulfillment. Staying safe isn't bad. But if that is purely our mentality, then we are never going to consider the way in which our actions can actually bring life or death to our neighbors around us. The single most important lesson that you and I have to learn in life is how to love like Jesus. Learning to love like God loves you. And the whole reason why God puts you on the planet is not to make money. It's not to retire. It's not just to have a lot of fun and die. God puts you on this planet to learn how to love. To learn how to love God and learn how to love your neighbor as yourself. You are here with a purpose of love. And this time of social distancing and self-isolation is challenging in ways in which we love our world. We've distilled love to simply be a set of actions that we undertake over the course of a week, which fit into our schedule, which adhere to a societal norm, which check a checkbox, which get us a good looking Instagram photo and make people around us be like, gee, they're a really good person. When Jesus actually shows us over and over again that love is so much more than doing the right thing, and I would contend, in fact, that love in its most purest sense goes against ours and our, yours and my most selfish and sinful and self-serving, prideful tendencies. Jesus, Jesus shows us on the cross in that simple phrase to his mom and to his disciple that to love like Jesus is to care for our family, to, to learn how to see others' pain in the midst of our own, 
and to see the opportunity to respond to the needs of our others even when ours aren't being perfectly met. And more than anything in this season, we, we kind of fall into two wide categories. Either we have a group of people that are, are ignorant to what's going on and they're wanting to just move on and pretend like nothing is happening. But then we have on the other side, a, a large group of us that find us in this place of constantly being inundated with information over and over and over again that actually doesn't provide a sense of awareness, but simply a sense of fear. And fear does something really negative to how we can experience love. Fear can drive us to selfishness. And I would say that the fatality of fear is the paralysis of love. Love doesn't move forward when fear is at the core of all that we are. And that is why more than ever, we need to stay connected. You need to be in conversation with people who can speak hope and joy and life in, into your story. I'm not saying to have false positivity, be aware of our reality, but also be aware of the reality that we find in Jesus, that he is our hope, that he wants us to discover how he's gonna work all things for good. This is not God's desire for the world, but he's gonna work it for good in your story if you invite him in in this season. I think every moment that we've shared over the last six months has been priming us for such a time as this. At the beginning of our second year, I was asking God, what is our next step as a community? And I felt so deeply that the thing that God wanted us to develop was a heart that yearned after him and to be a people that wanted just to be in the presence of God. That's why we talked about the essentials of prayer, of worship, of the word, and of serving. That's why we spent time in Romans and we, we started to realign our, our thinking of who God was and who God is, not one that is mad at you, but one that is madly in love with you and is against the things that would hurt you. That's why we've had conversations around loneliness and forgiveness and relationship, not simply for the moments that we were in, but for the moment that we are. It's for such a time as this. It's not so that we can just have nice ideas on a Sunday morning that we smile about, but it's for us to say to ourselves with all honesty, I don't have it together just yet. I don't have it all figured out, but I want to see my life look different. I want to see God as God truly is. I want to find freedom from loneliness and healing in my relationships and forgiveness for my accuser. But God, I cannot do this on my own, so I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to place you as a priority in my life, and I'm going to turn my attention away from my selfish desires and make you my desire. I'm going to make love my foundation and not fear. I'm going to make love my foundation and not my self-interest. I'm going to make love my foundation and I'm going to push past these thoughts that are overwhelming my mind and go to the source that's going to actually lead me to a place that, that changes the world around me. There's some beautiful ways that you can just rediscover what it looks to love like Jesus in this current place. These thoughts, these conversations, these ideas, these moments of revelation were not just for then, they're for now. And this is your moment for you to discover that you are made in the image of God. We are gifted a time right now that perhaps you haven't experienced this last little bit. Uh, often the conversation would go when I would challenge someone around the idea of spending time with Jesus is that they, we just don't have time. In the busyness of our culture, in the hurry of the moment, we don't have time. Well, now we have an opportunity. Now we have a chance. And I would challenge you, what if you were to build time into your days where you were actually looking to deepen and invite Jesus into your story, into your situation? Uh, for you to discover that you are made in the image of God, 
that, and therefore you can experience the love of God in such a way that it will make you love people like Jesus. So love your family in this season. Pay attention to giving them attention, some practical needs and emotional support. Ask yourself, are, are, is your pain blinding you from the pain of others? And how can you actually find healing and solidarity and hope when it feels like that's the reality? And then if you're looking towards this opportunity of actually meeting the needs of others when ours aren't perfectly met, this is something we get to do as a church. This is an incredible opportunity, I believe, as a church to rediscover what it means all over again to our identity of of being a people who are in life together. That's our mission statement. Together creating space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We do it together even though we're isolated. We're creating space even though we're not in a building. We're discovering even though we might not be in just direct proximity. Why? Because life in Jesus transforms everything. And if we wanna love like Jesus, we need to have Jesus in our story. So church, I, I, I hope that this has been a morning that has encouraged you and challenged you. That this is a time that we are not just sitting back and doing nothing, but we're actually seeing the opportunity of the moment to, to grow ourselves, uh, to grow our relationships, to, to deepen our faith, and, and to see what God has in store for us in the here and now. But let's be a people that are, that are praying for our neighbors, praying for our government officials, that are praying for each other and, and leaning into these moments of how can we love like Jesus. Right after this, there's going to be a group of people that are ready and so, so willing to pray with you. Uh, and they can do so over the phone. Uh, it can be over chat, but they're going to be in the comments. And if you want someone to pray with you, uh, I would just write like prayer or I, I, I would like someone to pray with me in the comments. And one of our team will reach out to you and we'll, we'll go from there. This is just not a time to be isolated or to be alone. This is a, a time that we can lean in together and discover what it means to love like Jesus and, and to serve our community in, in a wonderful and a beautiful way. Benji's got some thoughts at the end of how we are going to do that, what some of the things that we have coming up this week. But remember, church is not a building. Church is a people, and we get to do it together. I love you. I'm so appreciative of the community that we have. Uh, let me end in a word of prayer, and then we'll continue on with our morning. So, Father, we give you thanks. For every person that is a part of this conversation right now that's tuned into uh, this Facebook Live, I just pray right now that you would speak to us where we are at. Thank you that your love and the way that you show have shown us has always been the way, and it remains the way in this season where it looks a little bit different. Uh, that to love like you is actually going to require us to have you at the core of our lives. So I pray that you would give us courage to allow you in. Um, that you would give us opportunities to say yes to loving like you and to making you the center of our life and that you would actually start to challenge us and move us and draw us closer to you uh, that this is a season that can actually be so incredibly formative to who we are as people and who we are as a community. Uh, we just are grateful that even through an online platform we can stay connected and experience your presence. For anyone that is a part of this conversation right now that doesn't have a relationship with you, that doesn't know what they think about you, uh, I just pray that there is a moment for them to discover how the love that you have for us is unconditional and they can receive it for themselves. 
And if this is just something we need to rediscover for ourselves in this moment, wherever we find ourselves on the journey of faith, I pray that you would show yourself in a mighty and powerful way in the places that we call home. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. We love you. We need you. We're grateful. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.